Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Lessons for Living. His word so fresh in our hearts abound. His word made flesh in the here and now. A new life is beginning. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Let me show you with two little simple things. It'll register with you very easy. Very simple, pride independence from God. Don't need God. Don't need God at all. I can just do things in life myself. Humility is the exact opposite. Humility goes, uh, I tried that without God. That doesn't work. Throughout the Bible, God makes it clear how much he despises pride. It began when Lucifer rebelled against him and continued when Adam and Eve joined Satan's team by disobeying God's command. Throughout the New Testament, the writers quote the Old Testament's injunctions against being prideful. Pastor Mark is teaching against the sin of pride by mentioning examples from the Apostle Peter's life as well as from others. It's important that we take these lessons to heart and examine our own lives to discover where pride has taken root in us and ask God to remove it. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of today's broadcast. Now, here's Pastor Mark in 1 Peter chapter 5 with part one of his message. God cares about you, so humbly trust him with all your cares. Peter, as he writes this book, it's been 30, 40 years since he walked with Jesus and the crucifixion. And he's had so many good things for us. We begin in verse 5, chapter 5. Young men, or we would say today, young people, young men and young women, in the same way, be submissive to those who are older. Remember, submission is a very simple definition. A willing attitude that wants to cooperate. Somebody that submits and let's just make it peace. Let's just flow together. Now, that word submission is very, very frequently used by Peter. He used it over and over again. Remember, we learned from Peter that we are, as Christians, to be submissive to our government leaders. Again, we're submissive then to our employers Husbands and wives in the home are submissive to one to another. The congregation, the sheep, are to obey and respect their elders, pastors, and their shepherds. So here, Peter kind of addresses a different group. Now, he's addressing people in the church that are in Turkey, that area, and they're suffering because of great persecution. And he says, especially young people are to respect and submit to their spiritual elders. Now that word younger can refer to two different things. One, their age, maybe 15 to 30 year old, younger. 
or their years as a believer. Now, remember, some people think, well, I've been a Christian 35 years, so I'm I'm a mature Christian. Maybe, maybe not. Other people, four or five years a believer, and yet they actually are more mature than some people that have been serving God all their life because they've really got into it and their life has really changed. Now, that principle that Peter gives us is a wise principle. Why should younger believers and younger people pay attention to their pastors and elders? Well, because usually pastors and elders have wisdom that only comes one way. Wisdom doesn't come from reading books. It helps. Reading the Bible, of course. But wisdom comes from experiencing life, going through it day by day with all the things we have. And when you see that happening, it's just a principle. Also, don't forget elders, pastors, they learn much from study. As I study all during the week and all of those kind of things, what happens? Well, there's great wisdom that comes from that. I myself actually have been counseling people for about 45 years. And I've learned from counseling so much because you hear all the different things from life and you're able to take the word of God and pin it to them. And you will understand this statement. In fact, I just talked to a couple after the first service. Pastors and elders, normally they're older people, have learned from their failures more than their successes. Anybody out there say amen or oh me? Yeah. That's exactly what happens. And Peter's one of those guys that learned a lot from his mistakes, more than his wisdom. So here's what I want you to write. The first thing today, submission is a fundamental attitude of spiritual maturity. If you see a person that's older and they never submit to anything, oh, you guys are making changes. I'm not interested in that. I don't care about the world over here. If there's no submission, there's not much maturity there at all. Then Peter kind of moves on and he says, here's the way you do it in church. Here we go. All of you. Let's say it together. All of you. Okay, about 12 of you did. Let's go again. Come on, come on. You're supposed to submit to your pastor. All right, here we go again. All of you. Who is that? Is there, does it skip anybody? No, it only skips one group of people that are not believers. Because this will make no sense to an unbeliever. No sense at all. So Peter's writing to us. And those of you that are not believers, you're going to have a great opportunity to become a believer at the end of the service. Amen. All right, here we go. All of you, clothe yourselves with humility toward one another. So again, back to that expanding, that submission, that humility to one another. Why should we do that? Because God opposes the proud but he gives grace to the humble. Now, before we submit to an individual, husband, wife, elder, pastor, shepherd, boss, whatever, submission will not work unless you're first submitted to God. That's why this makes no sense to a person that's an unbeliever because they have not turned their life over to God. Why would they submit to you or anybody else? So submission always starts with God first and then one another. Now he says this, all of you clothe yourselves with humility one to another. What in the world is Peter talking about? What does humility look like? Well, let me show you kind of what it looks like. This is a servant's 
apron. What does a servant do? Humbly serves. That's what they do. He's not saying put on an apron. He's talking your lifestyle is to look like that. Now, where would Peter get this idea of someone putting on an apron and serving other people? Where would Peter ever come up with that idea? Exactly right. You're right on. Jesus. You remember one day Jesus was having the Passover dinner with all his disciples. And he was going to tell them how to have communion to remember him. He was going to tell them about going to the cross and all those things. And they met in the upper room. And in those days, everybody wore sandals. And of course, there's no cement roads. There's no asphalt roads. You have dust all over you. So in a normal setting, when you went into a building or a home or a synagogue, there's going to be somebody there that's going to serve you. And they're actually going to wash your feet to clean. Well, that day when Jesus went in, all the disciples are there and nobody washed anybody's feet. So what did Jesus do? He probably is thinking, okay, there are 12 guys in this room. Have they learned anything? So what does Jesus do? He takes his cloak, puts it around him, gets a basin of water and goes to every single disciple and washes their feet. So here you are. Let's just say uh, you're, well, pick any one of the disciples that you want. Andrew. When he's washing your feet, what are you thinking? You're thinking, El Stupido. I should have done that. What is wrong with me? What is wrong with me? Then he comes to Peter. Peter that liked to put his sandal in his mouth all the time. And he begins to worship, tries to begin to wash Peter's feet. What's Peter say? You're not washing my feet. No way. I should be washing yours. And I, I think probably Jesus is thinking, well, it's a little late, isn't it? And how does Jesus respond to Peter? He says this, Peter, if I don't wash your feet, I have nothing to do with you. What's Peter say? Give me a bath. Amen? So that was the servant. That was the whole principle of serving others. Peter, now think about that. He learned from that mistake. So he writes, we should be humbly serving other people. Now, here's the way James writes it. If you are wise and understand God's ways, prove it by living an honorable life. Watch this. Doing good works with the humility that comes from wisdom. See, sometimes people think humility is just an action in you. And there's no work involved. Of course not. Here's what I want you to write. Submission and humility and serving, they go together. Normally, when we're doing serving... We're kind of behind the scenes in many ways. Nobody really knows what's happening. As you came in this weekend, as you do every weekend, there's all kinds of people behind the scenes that got here early. They've got everything organized. It's right on. The camera people are here. The sound people are here. First impression people are here. Parking people are here. They've been here early getting all the different things set up. We have a whole group up there. You don't, you never even see them. They're all behind the scenes. 
They've got all the PowerPoints ready. They've got everything going. The IT people with them, making sure the stream is going to our other campuses, going around the world, people all around the world watching. All of that is done behind the scenes. They're just humbly doing all that. And that's quite often what happens. So I just want to say to all of those people that you never see serving you, I'm, of course, you see me, so forget me, but the people that you never see, can we just say thank you right now? Come on. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. It's a beautiful thing. I want to congratulate you guys as well right here because just last week, we sent 2,880 boxes of love to Haiti. Almost 3,000 boxes to Haiti. You see, we don't even know unless I saw you walk in with them. I don't know who did or who didn't. You didn't do it to be identified. You did it because you wanted those kids to be happy for Christmas. And they're going to be happy for Christmas. But let me tell you, after you drop the boxes off, there's another whole group of people that came on the week that just volunteered to come in. And what they have to do? They took all those boxes and put them in big boxes and bigger boxes. Then they had to put them in a truck. And they had to take the truck. All these people, all volunteers, just take the truck over to the port. Because we have a ship, cruise ship, that takes it to Haiti for free for us every single year. That's awesome, isn't it? So there you are again, people behind the scenes that are working for you. And I just want to say another thank you because we had lots of people that came in. You got the angel tree requests and you brought your gifts in for the families and the kids and all that stuff. And Saturday, we had all those people get together and we gave them all the gifts. Way to go, way to go, way to go. Now, why should I clothe myself with humility? Look at the verse five. Because God opposes the proud but he gives grace to the humble. Pride is a huge deal all through the Bible. God hates pride, but he loves humility. Now, why would that be? Well, you remember in the beginning, Satan was the lead worshiper in heaven. And the angels were there. Satan and all the angels are created beings. God, the only uncreated being, God, the Father, God, Son, God, the Holy Spirit. And one day Satan got this into his mind and he started going to some of the angels. He said, you know what? You don't need to worship God. I'm actually going to be a better leader than God. And I want you to worship me. Forget God. Well, when that spread, God went, "Uh, here's your pink slip. And he sent Satan to the earth. He's destined for hell and the lake of fire. That will never change. The problem was one third of the angels chose instead of God, they chose Satan. That's the worst decision they will have ever made. And it has lasting eternal problems. So from that moment, what caused Satan to do that? Was it his submissive, humble spirit? No, it was ugly pride. And we get in it. So that's why God hates pride. Because all the trouble that we have in this world was never designed by God. Satan is out to steal, kill, and destroy. And he's angry ever since he made that stupid mistake. Now, was pride ever a part of Peter's life? Yeah, you remember very well, don't you? On that upper room, when all that was going on, he should have learned from the crazy basin. But Jesus said, I'm going to the cross. And Peter said, well, Jesus, I'm your man. If the other 11 fail you, you can count on me. 
And Jesus said, cock-a-doodle-doo. <laughs> you know the story. He said, before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. Why did he say you can count on me regardless? Pride. A little earlier, Jesus took his disciples to Caesarea Philippi, and he said, who are the people in town talking about me? What do they say? I am. And they went through that whole scenario. And later, Peter began walking with Jesus. And they were walking. And Jesus had told him he's going to the cross. He's going to be crucified. He's going to die. And as they're walking, you can picture Peter kind of getting in front of Jesus. Say, Jesus, just stop a moment. You're not going to the cross. That's stupidity. No, no Messiah gets killed. You are not going to the cross. Forget the cross deal. Set up your kingdom now. Forget it, Jesus. And what did Jesus say to Peter? Get behind me, Satan. Why Satan? Same stinking pride. Peter thought he knew more than God. Really? So he writes about grace. The only reason he can write about grace is because he got grace. Because he made stupid, prideful things. And that's the same for you and me. Now, you say, well, shame on Peter. No, we have to look at ourselves. Because I have a very selfish nature. And you do too. I love to try and live independent from God. In my old sin nature, that's what people do. Now, let me show you with two little simple things. It'll register with you very easy. Very simple, pride. Independence from God. Don't need God. Don't need God at all. I can just do things in life myself. Humility is the exact opposite. Humility goes, uh, I tried that without God. That doesn't work. I need to depend on God. God, you know everything. You're all-knowing. You're all-powerful. I can't do life without you. So ask yourself as you're thinking about that, where do you stand in those two? That is the big difference. See, pride magnifies self. It's like a selfie all the time. I'm always thinking about me. And it minimizes God. Pride says, I can do my life by myself. I'll do it my way. Pride is basically the absence of humility. Charles Spurgeon said it like this. Humility is to make a right estimate of oneself. So we go right back to that. Can I do life by myself? Or was I designed by God to do life with him? That's the core. That's the basic core. But then he says, humility is to be aware of my personal strengths and say, thank you, God. You gifted me in this area. Humility is also to be aware of my personal weaknesses and say to God, God, I need your help in those areas. Now, the Bible is filled with the dangers of pride. Let me just read you two. Proverbs 11, two. When pride comes, then comes disgrace. But with humility comes wisdom. Proverbs 16, 18. Pride goes before destruction. A haughty spirit before a fall. Now, notice those words. When pride comes, disgrace comes. When pride comes, there's going to be a fall. How many can think of an instance when you were prideful, kind of out loud, or it showed itself, and after you made that statement or did that, 
you felt like an idiot and you felt so disgraceful. You felt like, okay, I just fell right on my face smack into the cement. How many can remember a time you did that? Exactly. The rest of you just keep living. (laughs) I can remember a number of times I did that in a public setting. Once, when somebody asked, how's the church doing when we were young? We are in a big, big conference. How's the church doing? And they went and asked people. And I just stood up because they called me. And I said, we're doing great. We have 400 people. I went, you idiot. Because there's other guys there that we're doing great with 100 people. And then there's other guys on the other side and we're doing great with 1,000 people. What is wrong with me? I went, I can still remember that, and that was more than 25 years ago. How stupid we are. You see, there's going to be a problem. You're going to fall on your face. You're going to feel terrible. By the way, notice this verse again that you just saw here. It says basically one thing. Because God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Thank you, Jesus. That's what you said, too, when you finished that crazy thing. Now... Notice, I like the New Living Translation. Look what it says. God opposes the proud, but he favors the humble. Grace and pride are opposites. Grace, God's empowering presence in our lives, enable us to do and to be what we were created to do and be. See, pride says this. I'm good enough on my own. I'm great enough on my own. And let me just say this with you, because there's certainly people that are not Christians yet, or maybe you were and you've walked away from God. The reason most people don't become a Christian is one reason, pride. I'm great enough in myself. I'm a good person. I do good works. I come to church from time to time. Blessing. Good to have you here. Good people don't go to heaven. Only forgiven people go to heaven. And the only reason we're ever forgiven is because of God's grace. So you have to understand, and that is what will keep you from going to heaven. One thing, your, my stinking pride, because I will not admit that I need help. I'm not going to tell people I need help. I can do my own thing. And that's the reason you have to humble yourself and come to God. And we'll give you a chance to do that. By the way, every person that's going to heaven had to humble himself and go, God, I need you. And we ask forgiveness for our sins. So you're not like among, well, I'm the only one that would say this. No, ever since we started this church, I don't know how many thousands and thousands of people have come to Christ. But they came to Christ because they humbled themselves and admitted they need a Savior. Amen? That's the only way you'll get to heaven. Notice the choice that Peter gives us. Number one, do you want God's favor and his grace? Or would you rather choose number two? Do you want God to oppose you? How many go for number one? Let me see here. How many go for number two? I'm waiting to use the word stupido. Okay, right there, stupido, right there. Gotcha. Thank you. Times two even. Today, Pastor Mark taught about the differences between pride and humility. He told us how much God hates pride and, in fact, opposes those who are proud. We also found out the dangers of living with a prideful attitude and how as Christ followers, we should rid ourselves of it. We learned the benefits of humility and how being humble can make our lives more pleasant. 
Lessons for Living is the teaching ministry of Pastor Mark Balmer of Calvary Chapel, Melbourne. We have multiple campuses to reach those living in Melbourne, Sebastian, and Vieira. All campuses meet each weekend and on Wednesdays to spend time collectively raising our voices in worship to our Most High God and studying the truth and blessings found in His Word. For more information, directions, and service times, visit LessonsForLivingRadio.com and click on the church link at the bottom of the page. Next time, Pastor Mark will continue the teaching God cares about you, so humbly trust Him with all cares. We'll find out more about the contrast between grace and pride and how we can find more peace in our lives if we're willing to humble ourselves. We will be reminded about God's desire to bless us and that that blessing has to come on God's terms. We've run out of time today, but we do encourage you to tune in next time as Pastor Mark will continue teaching through this series, Living Life with Living Hope. That's next time on Lessons for Living.